Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Good morning, good morning. How are you today, Steve? I'm wide awake, and it's it's been a while. It's like I needed a couple weeks to just sleep in on the weekends to get ready for doing this again. 
<laughs> yeah, you've had a few weeks, huh? Yes. Well, you should be well rested. <laughs> I am well rested and wide awake. I'm actually doing a little outdoor casting. It's a wee bit chilly, but it's still nice to be outside because it's not like freezing. So I'm enjoying right. the outside morning, and that's helping me stay wide awake this morning. Uh, last night, we had the big uh, winter carnival uh, out here where I am, and it was... Uh, it was so balmy outside. Yeah. Like in past years, you know, we're all freezing. We've got our coats. We're like bundled up. We're just chilly. Last night, you know, I, I had my coat wrapped around my waist because it was too hot to wear that. I had my sleeves pushed up because it was too hot for long sleeves. I'm like, this is crazy. It's like flipping December. And yeah. here I am, like, you know, pretty much short sleeves walking around enjoying the winter festival. Yes. <laughs> Didn't feel very wintry. No, it's just, yeah. No, that's that's Arizona. Yes. The, that is Arizona. But, you know, it's it's overcast and cloudy, which is making it a little bit chillier. But you know, like Thanksgiving, it was like 85, 86 degrees. So yeah. got to yeah. enjoy it while I can. Uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, w- welcome to the Saturday matinee, everybody. Um, for those of you who are Patreon supporters, uh, we appreciate you. Um, thank you for supporting us. And um, so, so Steve, let's. Uh, what do you want to do first? Should we kick off with just some... Uh, some news of the week and such. That sounds like a good plan because Pete's not here and we can run this show however we want. <laughs> we could do the whole thing backward if we wanted. <laughs> he couldn't that's stop it. Us. Let's do the lists first. No, that's, <laughs> let's do the news of the week. All right. So, uh, so this week it's been, you know, with, with what's been opening at the box office, like uh, Coco and, and Justice League, uh, it's been a pretty slow week as far as big movies opening. Although it, over at the numbers, they say, you know, it's it's an, actually an incredibly busy week with about 30 films coming out this week, which is, seems like a crazy amount. But it says, however, the vast majority of them have too few reviews to be worth talking about. In fact, there would have been more entries in the secondary VOD than the main list, except... Um, you know, they kind of bent the rules. Here are the releases that they say are worth talking about. Um, and, and they say, if you're going to do anything, skip some of these big, terrible movies that are playing out there. Go see a limited release this week. Um, movies like uh, The Disaster Artist, uh, The Shape of Water, and um, uh, uh, A Bad Idea Gone Wrong. So uh, those are some movies that they say are, are worth checking out. So it's interesting, uh, you know, with with the the system as it is right now and being able to kind of watch VOD um it gives us a lot more um maybe better options to look at i guess yeah no i think that this time of year it's you get some of those big movies that dominate the weekend but there's a lot of nice smaller films and I'm really fortunate because my birthday's in late November. So last year I got out and I, I do a little binge. And last year it was Manchester by the Sea and Loving. This year it was um, Three Billboards outside Evans, Missouri and Lady Bird. And it's like, I love that those movies are that are smaller get a, at least a wide enough release, at least a chance where I get to see them because usually then I can get into the theater because everybody's cramming into whatever the big you know, ho- holiday releases are. And I think it gives people more opportunities here. And I love that there's these smaller films. I'm, I'm looking forward to the shape of water, uh, hoping to, to get out to see that soon. But you know, the holidays get so busy. That's the one thing I regret is if you can't find it, if you don't get out and see it during that like first or second week, a lot of times they end up disappearing. Yeah. 
Disaster Artist, I'm still super torn about that one because I just, <laughs> I, no, I, it looks funny, but I, the side of me is like, oh man, this is like, I don't know, sort of like exploitative of like, let's mock this guy. And I know that's not the intent of the film and it's about the creative process and passionate artists making things, but I still feel like, hey, we're just making fun of this guy that made this bad movie. Yeah, maybe it's I, yeah. I'm very curious about that one. Like, is it going to fall into that? Or is it going to be like a, an honest, uh, you know, kind of passionate portrayal of somebody who's just passionate, no matter the, the fact that they may not actually be qualified to deliver uh, a good end product, kind yeah. of like Ed Wood. I mean, Ed Wood, I thought was a great story about just somebody who's really passionate about cinematic storytelling, who just happens to be really bad at it. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, that's what I'm hoping for is that, yeah, people can have a, a train wreck of a project and you can tell that story about it and find that the humanity in it of that, that artist that has that passion for something that just doesn't quite match with what the world expects the quality project. Yeah. Uh, right, so right. I'm, you know, it's on my list that maybe <laughs> I'll get out to see. I don't know. Uh, Cause I, I, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the room and that's one of those where I'm like, I don't know if I should <laughs> wait and, and watch the room and then do a disaster artist, maybe do it as a double feature. I don't know. I don't know if anyone really has to watch the room. I, I've never watched it. I've only seen like the the highlight reels that are all over YouTube of yeah. all like the the best slash worst scenes, and it's hilarious. I mean, it's so bad. It just uh, I it makes me laugh just to watch it. And the fact that the disaster artist got made, I think is is pretty funny. And just watching it, I mean, it looks like they really captured Tommy Wiseau. So yes, really, yeah. I I think I'm really curious about it. And I'm I'm I, the, my guess. My question is because I mean, you go to the the movie theaters now, and they've got like the giant disaster artist standee where they've got the Tommy Wiseau life size you know character right there, <laughs> and you can stand and get your picture with him and stuff. I'm like, are are many people like who are they marketing this to? Because I don't. Yeah. Know know if like my in-laws are going to see it like there's a lot of people I'm like I don't think that they're I, I, I don't know I'm curious who their audience is but yeah. regardless I'm curious about it I want to see it I'm glad that it's it's uh, you know getting mostly positive re- reviews yeah. so I'm curious about that yeah and speaking of positive reviews uh, what about Ladybird oh man Ladybird yes Oh, I'm so glad I got a chance I haven't to seen see it, that. but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, the big news this week was that it became the best reviewed movie on Rotten Tomatoes, dethroning Toy Story two, which I thought is it was Toy Story three, or was it, was it Toy Story three? Yeah, I know yeah. it was a, a one of the Toy Stories, but I I sort of attribute that to the fact that you know it's however many years later, like ten years later or whatever, of uh, you've just got I think a larger pool of critics. In Rotten Tomatoes, because I think it, it attained that status because of the 100% fresh rating based on how many reviews. And so I think it, you know, outpaced by a few. Uh, it's like 160 something reviews that are fresh. So as Rotten Tomatoes continues to broaden the number of or increase the number of critics that they're allowing in their system, eventually, yes, this was going to happen. Uh, but to get, you know, that many positive reviews, I think is great, especially for a small film like this. It was a, it's a really enjoyable film. I had a great time with it for anybody that's a mother or a daughter. It's definitely a story I think you need to see. For my family, it's maybe a little close to home because I've got two teenagers. I've got one about to leave for college, you know, next 
next summer. Yeah. So a little bit close to home. So I, I'm not quite sure it's the perfect thing for my wife and daughters to see right now because I'm afraid they'd come home just emotional wrecks of just the tears. And I, I don't know that I want to put them in that position. But it just, oh my gosh, Greta Gerwig, just I'm so excited to see what she does as a filmmaker. This is a an amazing story. And I'm glad it's getting this type of attention because I it's these smaller films that are really about characters that I think people need to keep seeing and supporting. Yeah. No more big special effects and booms, just, you know, a family and heart. And, oh, Laurie Metcalf and Tracy Letts as the parents. Oh, just such a great film. I'm really excited to see that one. I'm glad it's getting such positive reviews. Um, is uh, My wife was just like, I don't know if I want to watch that one. I feel like it's going to depress me. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really sure what the, the tone of the movie is. I don't know if it's going to be one that you come out like depressed about, you know, your family relationships or what. But. <laughs> it depends on the nature of your relationship with your parents. Yeah, because uh, right. yeah, like I said, for some people it may just be, well, the, when I went and saw it with my brother, it was really interesting because the people, there was like a mother and daughter behind us and Lady Bird takes place in Sacramento and her big thing is she's just dying to get out of Sacramento. She wants to go someplace, get out of California, get out of Sacramento. Sacramento is like the worst place. And I guess this family, this mother and daughter, I guess we're from Sacramento because they were afterwards talking about, you know, recognizing a lot of the locations and it apparently touched them. They, they just sort of hung around during the credits and just kept having a conversation about them and family and that city. So I think some people are going to connect a lot with it. Uh, for me, it's, you know, I found it just a really entertaining story, sort of the sort of that coming of age story of asserting yourself as a teenager and trying to establish your own identity and, and wanting to, you know, leave the nest and move on and the, the challenges with that. So right, I, I right. think it just hits, you know, it's structured and written in a way that it, will appeal to I think anybody can find a way to to be connected to this story whether on a deeply personal level or just as enjoying a great story about some great characters fantastic well I can't wait it's definitely on my list and I certainly I, I just feel like it's one of those those smaller films that's going to grow bigger and bigger and I mean it's already playing at like every theater I look at so I'm, it's clearly one that's able to break outside of that limited indie release into something that I think is going to have a more broad appeal. So yes. I'm looking forward to seeing that one uh, talked about by more people yeah. as the weeks progress. I guess yeah. that's it. So yeah. let's, let's start talking yeah. trailers. We can, we can talk trailers. Let's do it. Which one uh, who I, do you want to, I, neither of us have the red band. Nobody's rule. got a red There's band. There's no A24. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Well, you've got a, you've got, I'm revisiting something. So. Maybe, true. True. So. So do you get to go because yours is new and mine is old and boring? I'll take that as okay. a sure. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Um, I did think it was interesting that neither of us picked uh, Avengers Infinity War, but maybe that's just uh, my kindness to you so you don't have to go and watch it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Although I will oh, well, I, I, all I'm going to say about that one is I, I watched the trailer and I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, I, I, it really didn't excite me as much oh, as okay. I was kind of hoping okay. so. Um, we'll see what happens with that as, as more and more trailers come out as inevitably they will. Yeah. But that is not my trailer. As I said, my trailer is for a film uh, you know, I was looking for trailers and I was like really bummed because there were just a lot of really bad trailers and things. I was like, Oh, the last thing I want to talk about is that movie. And then I came across this one, which popped up and it's called love Simon. And 
what piqued my curiosity about this is it's it's a story about a, a high school kid who is uh, kind of going through his own personal crisis because he's gay and he hasn't come out and he's dealing with kind of uh, you know falling for for this for this guy at, at school and stuff and it sounds like an interesting story and then I'm like but this is like 20th century fox I'm like this is it seems and maybe I'm wrong but to me it seemed like is this like the first like big uh, studio uh, like high school romantic drama that is uh, about a gay kid? And I was like, that's that's actually pretty interesting. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, certainly, you can go back to something like In and Out, where it's like an adult gay story coming out. Um, but still, I, I was like, this this might be a sign of of kind of progress, I guess you could say, as as we start getting more uh, interesting stories about uh, gay characters or other types of characters. And it it made me happy to kind of watch this trailer and see that there here's this story about this kid who's just you know a typical high school kid, and he just happens to be dealing with this fact that he's gay, and he's kind of trying to figure out how to deal with that. Uh, Greg Berlanti is directing it. Um, it's got uh, uh, the kid's name is uh, Nick Robinson, who who plays Simon, and um, he was uh, fantastic in uh, Jurassic World as the older brother. He was also fantastic in The Kings of Summer, and he's just one of those guys who has a nice screen presence, and I, I kind of foresee a, a nice career for him. I think that he really brings a lot to the screen, and his parents, Jennifer Garner and Josh DeHamel, um, I think they um, there's not a ton of them in the trailer, but I think it's a, a great pair for them to uh, be playing his parents. Um, it just it really kind of struck me as a, as like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be that unique of a story other than the fact that it's this big studio film about a gay kid. So what do you think? Yeah, no, it was. I had the same feeling about that where I'm watching this. I go, wow, this is just, you know, being presented as typical sort of like teen, you know, high school teen, you know, coming of age, figuring out yourself story just, you know, for an audience that are, you know, or, you know, a kid that we don't typically see a story about these kids. They're usually the comic relief sidekick in the story. And so to really tackle this head on and say, okay, here's, you know, here's Simon, here's his story. This is what his struggle is. Um, I'm really happy to see a movie like this because there's, there's an audience for this out there. I always enjoy seeing films about teenagers that are not the typical teen because uh, it reminds me of several years ago when uh, Aquila and the Bee came out and I saw it here at the Phoenix Film Festival and the director was talking about it and people said, you know, why, why did you write this story? And he said, because when you're a, you know, white male kid, everything happens to you. You get to go to Hogwarts, E.T. lands in your backyard, your dad brings home a gremlin, you've got a group of friends, you know, going on adventures, you know, to find pirate treasure. He's like... African-American girls, they're, they're never the main character. There's never a story about them for them. And to me, this falls into that category of, okay, you know, gay teen trying to, to figure himself out. We've never seen that story told on, in, from this side of a major studio. It's maybe smaller indie films, but to have something that's, I don't want to say, Family friendly, but I think, yes, that's probably the way I see this is maybe a more sanitized version, but something that 
can get people to sit down and have conversations and talk about it. And the, I think the interesting point of the trailer is the last part where he says, you know, why is coming out a gay a thing that gay kids have to do? <laughs> why don't straight kids have to do this too? And it's got a little montage of parents, you know, kids sitting down saying, you know, mom, uh, I, I'm heterosexual. And oh my goodness, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, interesting perspective to get people to talk about it. I think it's, it's, been time for this to happen to bring this out to make it part of the public conversation and that's the place that i think teens need that voice and hopefully this film can be one of those things to help them have that well it looks like this is going to be released here in the u.s march 16th it's uh doesn't have a huge in, uh release outside of the u.s yet but hungary the netherlands uk sweden france singapore germany uh they're all getting it sometime between march 15th and march 29th so uh so there you go love simon i'm revisiting thoroughbreds which I brought back in late middle or late October. It was sort of the teaser. Um, and mostly because I'm, I'm still mourning the loss of Anton Yelchin, but I think it just had an interesting cast. So we got a full trailer for this one now, which gives us a lot more about these two, uh, these two teenagers, Anna Taylor joy and Olivia cook. Uh, we get a little bit of information about them that Olivia cook plays Amanda, a, a girl who, who has no feelings. She's dead inside, whereas her friend Lily, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, feels everything. And we see that the basic story is it's a, I hate my parents, help me kill my dad. He's a horrible stepdad. He's a horrible, horrible person. Let's recruit this sketchy guy, played by Anton Yelchin. And it's, it's just the tone of this film that I feel like we get a little bit more of the the black comedy that's uh, inherent in this type of story that we're going to go hilarious. We're going to go dark, which I think is the other side of, of being a teenager where it's with love, Simon, you've got the struggles of, of being a teen and tackling, you know, realistic issues versus the other side where I think teenagers can have those just extreme emotional reactions to things where the littlest thing becomes the end of the world. And to take that in a black comedy, which is like my, I hate my stepdad. Hey, let's plot to kill him, which hopefully is not something that typical teens are doing, but it gives us a a story to sort of give them an outlet for those feelings and to just take it to the ridiculous. And so I was just thrilled to see that as I got more of the story, these characters, I'm getting more about them. I'm still looking forward to this so much and to see it marketed as, you know, connection to like it's American psycho meets tethers. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's a niche film. I (laughs) want, I'm really dying to see. I was I was surprised that it didn't also throw heavenly creatures into the mix. Because True, it certainly it certainly has that feel too of the two young girls who kind of you know in between the two of them kind of create this world amongst themselves where all of a sudden yes we got to murder him let's recruit this guy it, it totally takes that that tone but it's uh, it's definitely the more comedic streak of it and um, I I'm so interested in this film and uh, and what's going to do and where it's going to go. Uh, I love the look of it. I love the the comedy, uh, the way that it plays the comedy throughout the trailers. I just think it's a really, uh, really sharp comedy. And I it makes me excited. Um, Corey Finley, I can't remember what else Corey Finley has done, but um, this is uh, his, as far as, this is his first feature film. Yeah, it so, looks just yeah. crazy to me. So it's I'm really curious to uh, see where how this turns out and then where he goes from here because uh, it just looks bonkers and bananas in all the best ways. Yeah, so I'm 
So March 9th, 2018 release. See, I'm in a position where I have to start asking questions such as, is this a film I see with my kids? You are clearly not in a place where you're taking your kids to Definitely see this movie. Not. But I've got two teenagers, so something where I see a film and say, I want to see this. If they see the trailer, they're like, oh, we want to see this. And I think, I don't know that I'm comfortable sitting down and watching this movie with you. Maybe I'll, yeah, right. I'll sit a few rows behind you and we won't talk about it afterwards. <laughs> um, but that's the, that's the challenge I'm finding with films like this where my kids love you know, sort of odd, small, independent films like this sometimes, but it's not a film you you watch with your parents. And I'm feeling old now of <laughs> like, because I remember seeing some films and like you see them with your friends when you're in high school and it's like, yes, I really connect with this. And you do not talk to your parents about this. Like you, you cannot, as a kid growing up, they sit down and talk to your parents about how the breakfast club makes you feel. That's just not something that you do. At least not in right. my house, right? So there are there are things that uh, that don't get discussed. <laughs> yes, those spheres do not intersect. So, and I'm feeling like, unfortunately, I would love to share the movie going experience with my kids, but I also want to respect their space as as teenagers. Although I, I may want to have a conversation afterwards to make sure they are not secretly plotting to kill me after seeing this movie. Yes, that's that's an important thing to confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think in your case, you're probably fine. <laughs> I sure hope so. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, that looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, a pair of interesting movies yes. that I think uh, are worth checking out. All right. Well, should we uh, get into the lists? Yes. Well, let's list it up. So this week we talked about Labyrinth, our listener's choice episode um, on the show. And with that, we thought it would be nice to talk about other films that feature puppets on our uh, Saturday matinee list as a, kind of a, uh, a nod to the great puppeteering that Jim Henson and his team did in Labyrinth. And so uh, you've got your list of films with puppets, not including Yoda, and definitely not uh, Meet the Feebles, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> then uh, then I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to let you kick it off. Oh, okay. So, so <laughs> I... I thought a long time about this and I started to get pigeonholed into movies that were about puppetry or which the the puppetry was part of the story. And then I realized, no, 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 I can, I can broaden this to, you know, Labyrinth, which is puppets are characters in the story. Cause I was starting to think like, Oh, where's puppet? How many movies are there about puppeteers and, and puppets as, you know, puppets within the movie. And my wife looked at me and said, no, 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 you, you're going to lose so many great things if you do that. So I had a long list and I was trying to figure out, do I take some things and everybody's going to know, or do I go more obscure? So I, I'm not going to take some things that I think are really obvious and try to get to more sort of fringe Ooh. things. So my, <laughs> my first one, because I just started, it's available on Hulu and I just started rewatching it a couple of weeks ago. Just wanted to see some humorous clips of, Team America World Police from 2004, <laughs> which is all puppets, sort of in that Thunderbirds are go uh, type of puppetry. And I think just in the political climate we're in today, it's nice to go back to 2004 to just see political satire with puppets um, in an R-rated format where <laughs> there's blood, gore, sex, all kinds of inappropriate puppetry things going on. Um and, some pretty kinky sex too. <laughs> kinky sex, sex and Matt Damon as a puppet. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, uh, oh. yeah, 
that's that's my first pick is your, your good old uh, South Park guys bringing you Team America World Police. Fantastic one. Yeah, the marionettes in that one was a, a pretty genius way to do this story. It's uh, definitely R-rated, hardcore, but boy, is it a fun one to watch. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I really, uh, I, I had that on my list as one of my backups, so okay. I, I don't have to talk about that one now. So, um, so my first one, I, I was really torn on, on the, um, the, just what I was going to do, like pick some of my great ones. Uh, you know, I didn't want to end up with just all Jim Henson movies. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first one that I'm going with actually, it's a movie from this year, which, um, is largely has nothing to do with puppets but i think i think that's that's uh what what is so novel about it is just the way that the film is told and the fact that it ends up even incorporating puppetry into it i think is pretty genius the movie is david soren's captain underpants the first epic movie I uh, saw this movie with my kids and instantly fell in love with it. I, I thought it was just so well told, such interesting characters, uh, beautiful design. Everything about it was really fantastic. Beautiful CG. The whole thing just had a really nice tone. I've never read any of the books, but it seemed, from what I've seen of the covers of them, it seemed to kind of fit what they were going for there. The reason this is on my list is because there's this really cute moment. Um, the, the story is set up with, with our, our two pro- protagonist, uh, kids, uh, that are, um, George and Harold, played by Kevin Hart and Thomas Middleditch, who are these little fourth grade kids, um, writing these, these comics. And they're kind of troublemakers in their school. And the principal, um, uh, principal Krupp, played by Ed Helms, is always trying to catch them in the act, but never is able to. And until this one moment where he, you know, with the help of another student, sets up this this uh, nanny cam inside this little toy uh, turtle and catches them in the act. And then so there's this great moment where he he shows them the footage and he says, I'm going to do the worst thing to you that I could ever do. I'm going to separate you. You're going to be in separate classes. <laughs> and in the world of fourth graders, it's like that's the worst thing that could happen because these kids is just like, I can't believe we'll, we'll never see each other again. And we, we cut to them in their treehouse, and and Harold kind of pictures their future where they're never going to be together again. And he lifts his hands up, and they have socks on his hands. And then it cuts to this, this fantastic <laughs> sequence in his head as he's describing it of their future. And the two of them are little sock puppets, and he's just like, you know— you know, well, we won't see each other. Next thing you know, we'll be at the mall and we'll be passing each other and and you'll have a different haircut and, and I'll be wearing a suit for some reason. And you, and you see these these little sock puppets with their little button eyes looking at each other. Hi, hello, who are you again? And and then all of a sudden, and then, and then there will be robots. And he's like, why are there robots? I don't know, it's the future. I don't know what's going on. And it, it just, it turns into this strange little sequence that is just like this this fantasy of what their future apart is going to be like, all done in sock sock puppets and puppetry. It's just, it's a wonderful little moment. In the middle of this otherwise CG film, but I wanted to include that on the list because I just thought it was a great little <laughs> use of, of puppets. I may just have to check out the movie for that. I, it's, it's not something that's high on my list, but now I, I may have to just find some time over the holiday break to... Captain it's Underpants. well worth it. Okay. It's it's so much better than I ever would have expected. I think it's actually still in my top ten for the year. Wow. Which I, I don't know if that says about what I've seen this year, but it's uh, I I think it's a really great film. So my next puppet related film starts 
on the 23rd day of the month of September, in an early oh. year of a decade not too long before I o- our own, Dang. the human race yep. suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence, and this terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? 1980? Oh, I do. Eight, 1986, yes, I do. Little Shop of Horrors. The Audrey plant, the puppetry involved in bringing that villain to life still astounds me to this day. Um, I think that's something you and he talked about in, you know, Labyrinth about the practical effects and that that just brings something different to these films where, yeah, nowadays you can just CG in this huge talking plant, but having that physical presence there, with the way some of these effects are done with the puppets just, yeah, creates a different sense of just something more tangible, real to it, knowing that that is there. You see Rick Moranis having conversations and just the, the way they're able to articulate the mouth and the expression in the, in the Audrey plant uh, to me is just amazing. And the different versions that we get as Audrey starts as a little seedling um, and grows to be large. And then if you look online to find the original ending where it's the much darker ending, I think where Audrey becomes like the size of a, building um they've released it now you yeah can, it's uh yeah they have, yeah the director yeah the direct- with the original yeah, so there, yeah. have, of all the miniature work they had to do with with all of that um yeah to me it's still one of one of my favorite musicals and as soon as i heard puppets i thought yep this has got to be on the list because i i don't think you guys have talked about this one that i recall um we have and, not and it's just uh, something that i just I'm surprised at how well it's held up over time. I think I watched it last year um, with my kids because I said, here's a musical you haven't seen. And they looked at me like, what are you doing to us? And ended up having (laughs) a great time with it. It's such a great movie. I love it. It's And actually, we didn't even mention it on our Labyrinth show, but the reason, well, I, I don't know if it's the reason specifically, but Frank Oz, he, he does um, play a character in labyrinth but just one character and it's a very short scene it's the the wise man sitting there with the talking bird hat um and i think that he probably didn't have much more to do with labyrinth because he was directing this the same year yeah um this is just a fantastic film the the way they did the puppetry really blows my mind they actually figured out that if they filmed the puppet at a slower frame rate of like 12 or 16 frames per second it made the lips move faster and and it looked a lot better with a fast talking uh puppet and there were even scenes where the plant is with rick moranis in the same uh shot and rick had to uh kind of pantomime and and do his lip syncing in slow motion um so that when they sped it up it looked accurate it's like mind-boggling the things that they would work together to to put all this together and um i know at one point i think the the final part when the when audrey grows audrey 2 grows really big it took 60 uh, technicians to operate her, and she was a one-ton puppet at that point. Yes. <laughs> awesome. That's yes. a fantastic film. Great choice. Um, I It was on my list, but I have since crossed it off. My next one that I'm going with is, uh, is a film that I don't think you think of in terms of, of puppets, but the puppetry in it is, um, is pretty top-notch and i think the reason that you don't think of the puppetry so much is because the amount of uh the development that they did for the cg within the film was was so high end that that's really kind of what people talk about but really it's the blending of the two that i think make this film uh perfect and that is jurassic park the way that 
that um, that Phil Tippett's uh, puppetry in here uh, comes out is is really just spectacular, and you don't necessarily. Uh, think of it as a puppet. Ter- I, I Phil tip. I, Stan Winston is who I meant. Um, it, you don't think of it as a puppet film because the the CG dinosaurs were so good and so scary. But you look at the little Dilophosaurus when he's like spitting um, at at uh, what's his name? Ah 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 ah. I'm forgetting his character's <laughs> name, but uh, yeah, like that little yes. puppet that you have. You've got that fantastic giant. Um, the Brachiosaurus head that comes up and sniffs them and sneezes on them and everything. And the Triceratops, the giant uh, puppet of the Triceratops that's laying there. That was uh, operated by eight puppeteers out on the um, in Hawaii when they were filming that. I just think that they did some amazing puppet- puppetry work. I don't know if, if the, uh, the T-Rex, I don't know if it's fair to call the, the giant animatronic T-Rex that they built a puppet. I mean, I guess you kind of could call it a puppet, although it's more just like a big animatronic thing. But, but the specific puppets that they did here um, to kind of help build this entire world are pretty amazing. So that's my that's my number two Jurassic Park. It's interesting that you pick that one because I have a related fun fact that connects your pick to my next pick. Oh, uh-huh. yes. So, uh, in searching puppet stuff, I actually came across, and I did not know that there is a website. Uh, stanwinstonschool.com and this is where I found some video footage and some some facts here about my film and the, the puppet that is there. So talking about Jurassic Park, so they're talking about in terms of what I'm going to tell you about that I'm going to keep secret for right now. Uh, but <laughs> in this film they built a more sophisticated and complex animatronic than any of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. It required increased manpower plus the ingenuity and talent of many artists and technicians. Quote, we'd given our Velociraptor 34 points of motion, explained Winston, and our T-Rex 40 points of motion. But this one had 50 points of motion, all in a little character that was less than three feet tall. He had to act, he had to talk, and he had to deliver a varied and convincing performance. We had to create the ultimate robotic teddy bear, and that was the biggest, most difficult job we'd ever taken on. I'm talking about Teddy, the little robot teddy bear (laughs) from AI, which... I know uh, it's a controversial film. It's what I hate to say it's a guilty pleasure because I don't feel guilty about loving this film. But 2001, this animatronic teddy bear, we weren't at a CG point really to pull this off. And the way this thing moves and talks and expresses itself just blew me away in this film. He's my interesting. Favorite. Yes. That's, that's one that, um, for some reason, I didn't even think about. It. I forgot that um, that teddy bear was largely a, a puppet. So that's a pretty interesting one to bring up. It's it's a film that I think I have a lot of story issues with, um, namely in the last half hour. Um, but I feel there's I feel there's a lot of good stuff in the film, even though I get a lot of get very frustrated with some of the things. Like I, I brought up for at one point um, the Robin Williams. Oh um, yes! Oh yeah! Character. Yes. Oh, oh yes! So silly! So silly! <laughs> oh, I, I agree. I have quibbles. I will admit, yeah. <laughs> I have quibbles with the film. It is not perfect. I think it's it's one. It's a film that that I love, but yes, it, it at some points frustrates me because there's I see such potential and some decisions that were made that I just thought no, make this make this a, an enduring piece that lasts all of time. The, the Robin Williams, it just it's so of its time at that point. 
that it was like sort of that appeal to, hey, here's our popcorn audience for 2001. Here's a little something for you, as opposed to telling a story that will still be relevant and meaningful, you know, 20 years from now, instead of like, oh, that's sort of an archaic joke. What? Yeah, that makes it feel dated. Um, yeah, yeah, right, right. But, yeah. That was the that was the problem. Yes, is, is oh, they sure. had a hard time finding that line. Right, fantastic. Well, for my uh, final pick, I you know I felt a little guilty not doing any Jim Henson on here, so I had to throw something on here, and I was really torn what to go with. You know, do I go with Muppets or do I go with uh, this? Is what I'm going to go with. It's it's a much darker one. We've definitely talked about it on yeah. our Labyrinth episode, and it is of course the Dark Crystal from 1982. Um, a really interesting fantasy film that uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz uh, co-directed that is such a unique world that they created in this film that I think it's it's hard to uh, kind of it, it's a little tough for kids. But at the same time, it's such a fully realized world that um, it's it's a fascinating, fascinating film to revisit. Yes, I feel like it may have some pacing issues, but uh, Brian Froud, again, from uh, from Labyrinth did a great job with kind of the just conceptualizing this whole world and you've got the 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 really creepy uh characters the the skexies you've got the um you've got the um I'm trying to remember what the other, the 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 Gartham you've got um Jen and Kira the the two last of whatever race they are you've got Fizzgig the little kind of furball <laughs> dog thing that I I still feel is like Every Shih Tzu I see, I think of this cake. <laughs> yes. You've got the fantastic Agra, the, the lady who can pull her eyeball out and look around. Um, really, really unique characters in this fantasy, uh, this dark fantasy world that I've always just been drawn to. I just think it's such an interesting film. My, my kids still love watching it. It's, it's really unique. And I think they marketed this and I think it's, I think it might be true where, um, it, it billed as the first live action film without any human beings on screen. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's all puppets and you've got, um, animatronic puppets you've got um kind of the 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 typical kind where it's like you know just the the stick performances and everything you've got the the big puppets where people are inside the costumes um just like there are so many different kinds of of puppets all through this it's it's a really unique world so that is my final pick it is uh the dark crystal and it's uh definitely a unique one worth looking at oh that was that was on my list that was one where i thought i have to make sure we mention this. I know you talked about it on the the labyrinth episode, but I and so I sort of put it to the side. But oh my, I I remember seeing this in the theater and just being knocked off my seat by this amazing world that was created. Uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic about the Netflix series, the yeah, Dark Crystal right. Age of Resistance, that's coming next year, which apparently is sort of a prequel story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they did just the world building that went into this of, you know, to me, the 80s, there were so many films that just took what was in kids' imaginations and put it on the screen in a way that we just don't see anymore. And this was one of those, yeah, you know, it is often talked about it being dark and scary. But to me, when you're a, a young kid, it's like fairy tales are dark and scary. I mean, you get away from Absolutely. The, the Disney side of things. And yeah, there's there's kids struggle and grapple with, you know, these big issues that have, you know, darker undertones sometimes and to have it done in this way. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just one of those great films that, uh, I'm hoping, you know, again, 
is we had the whole Blade Runner Blade Runner thing this year of let's let's go back to the early '80s and and revisit something. How successfully can they do that? Because there's just so much, I guess, emotional baggage that people have connected to this film that can it live up to the expectations? Since this it's been 35 years of Dark Crystal being there, it's its own thing and just collecting so much meaning for everyone to to go back to that world uh, is a big risk, but one that I hope pays off. And I did say uh, the Gartham uh, were the other ones, but it's actually the mystics. The Gartham are the giant like uh, beetle creatures. Oh yeah. Yeah. That the Skeksis use to go catch the podlings and the uh, uh, chase the, um, the gulflings. So uh, anyway, fantastic lists, a lot of really interesting uh, uh, puppet films for people to go uh, look at. And uh, gosh, what are we going to do next week? So we're kicking off the, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, uh, or kicking off the Millennium trilogy with the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, well, what's a good one? Films fe- prominently featuring tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, not quite sure. That's a <laughs> oh man. It's uh, okay. So that one, you know, it's funny. I you know, I just rewatched it, and I'm like, okay, that definitely fit with our cold case list that we did um, uh, a few weeks back with Secret in Their Eyes, but. Yeah. There's got to be something else that that we can pull from uh, from that uh, film that I think would be definitely uh, worth talking about on the show. Oh, there's so many things because do you get into? I mean, you can get into more general things of like foreign films that have been Americanized because you have you know. Oh, that's kind of an interesting. You know, one, yeah. you know, there there are some that are are more successful than. There's always that attempt to take sort of an international you know, success, something that's just been a blockbuster over there and say, well, we, we need to do this for American audiences, but they don't like to read subtitles or don't like foreign films. So we'll have to do an American version of this. Um, because that was something that sometimes it just bothers me. And I, I, it's like, it's like, oh, we like your story, but no offense. We're going to, we have to, you know, do it differently for us in America because we're special and we we can't, you know, handle the way you guys do it. We're going to do it better and it rarely lives up to that um because i haven't seen you know this uh, you know the millennium trilogy i've heard great things about it i'm looking at getting into them but that's the thing that i I always think about when i think of this movie is oh it's that one that we had to had to redo or you know because we can't get into cold (laughs) cases um i mean you can get into sort of she's sort of like a you know elizabeth's sort of like a hacker you know you could get into that you know hacker crime Stuff, but I don't know that that's a large enough pool of movies to generate a list. Yeah, out we, could, of. we could talk about hackers. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, maybe maybe we shouldn't go that route. <laughs> no, no. I actually I like your I like the direction that you're going. Let's let's do that. Where are we doing um, foreign films that have, um, for better or worse, been remade into American films? Okay. That's that's I think a pretty interesting list that that will bring up some interesting films and maybe uh, spur some people on to go watch some uh, some foreign films. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Hopefully, maybe some people have some favorite films and they'll discover that oh, there is a, a better foreign version of that film. Maybe exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Good. We've got a good list. So let's put that together for next week. Okay. And otherwise, I think that's it. So to all our Patreon supporters, again, thank you. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And uh, glad you're able to tune in to us on this Saturday matinee. And until next week, uh, have a great week. Thank you, uh, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Andy. And we'll chat next time. 
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. 